1: Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, You need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stacking the Box, week 13 of the NFL season. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. Have a lot to get to, every team in action this past week, and will be in action the rest of the way. So, Josh, I'll let you lead off. What did you see from Thanksgiving on that caught your eye over this past week in the NFL?
0: One thing that's starting to catch my eye is the playoff cream is rising to the top. We pretty much know who is going to be in at this point. And now it's looking at the teams that are going to be in the playoffs and seeing what their flaws are. And I only really see three teams that legitimately have either very small flaws or no flaws at all, or ones that aren't big enough that will flare up in the postseason and really sink them. And now, to me, the storyline from here on out with those teams is can they identify what is wrong and can they fix it? And so far, through 12 weeks, there's a more than a few things that are wrong with the playoff teams that are currently in the field.
2: I find the playoff picture interesting, more so in the NFC. Very interesting spot in the NFC. And whoever is at 6th seed is going to be a very good team. Unlike in the AFC, we're really... It's New England and it's Pittsburgh and then it's a gigantic drop off to whoever you want to put third. So the NFC is what I'm gonna be watching going forward, whereas the AFC you can basically take a nap and wake up during the AFC championship game.
0: I think that with Dave a lot of people are gonna dog the first week into the playoffs and rightfully so, because you're looking at like matchups between Jacksonville and Buffalo and Kansas City and Tennessee. Like those aren't really sexy matchups. But I guess you could maybe find some kind of enjoyment in those games just because you are, you would be living in a world where Jacksonville and Blake Bortles legitimately could get to the, NF, or the AFC divisional round. I don't know if I want to live in that world or if it's possible. But, yeah, to me, the NFC side of things is a lot more interesting just because I feel like the talent is better from top to bottom there because, like you said, the team's on the outside looking in right now. Detroit, they lose on Thanksgiving, but they're, you know, all right. Green Bay, you know, we made – our piece with Brett Hundley and, and Mike McCarthy last week, and you defended him, and rightfully so, because it, turns, it seems like the coaching turned around, and Brett Hundley turns in a nice performance on Sunday night. You said on the Facebook Live, if the, pa- uh, the Packers were within 30, it was a victory. Came down to a final field goal. Almost bowl. won the
2: game, yeah. They played much better than I expected.
0: So yeah, the, the, the talent on the NFC side of things is a lot more interesting to me. And this all goes into a conversation we can have at a later time about teams and what they need to do in the offseason to get better. We've said it about Denver how many different times. I mean, Cleveland is a habitual mess. Jacksonville, all these teams that need to do get better in the off to make the competition at the bottom for that for those five and six seeds a little bit more like it is in the NFC because it's a really fascinating race and you have lots of teams still in it.
2: Look, the NFC wildcard weekend is going to be fantastic because there's a good like let's say it started today. I don't know the matchups in front of me, but I think it would be. Uh, the, the Saints and the Rams would be the, the home teams in the, over that weekend. And they'd be going up against the Falcons and the Panthers. Not bad. I think it would actually be the Saints against the Panthers and the Rams against the Falcons. That, that's, a, that's a great weekend of football. Now, mm-hmm. yes, the AFC games are going to be awful. I, I, the problem with the AFC is there's no hope, really. Like, there's nothing. Now, I will say this. The one team, we talked about this a little bit over the weekend, uh, just, you know, off air. If the Chargers make the playoffs, and I'm not... like I, I want to make this clear right off the jump. I am not one of these people who thinks the Chargers are a really good football team. Because to me, everybody does this every year with the Chargers. They get all excited, and then the Chargers stink. And let, let's be real about this, too. The Chargers are 5-6. and six, Okay, it's not like the Chargers are 9-2 and two here. And you can say, well, they've won games recently. They started 0-4. The Chargers have beaten, in no particular order, the Broncos at home, the Raiders away... The Giants away, the Cowboys away, and the I am blanking. I know there's another team that was another 500 uh, that they they beat, and it was oh, and the Bills when Nathan Peterman started. So they've yet to beat an over 500 team except for the Bills who started Nathan Peterman. Okay, let, let's not go crazy. That said, they would be the one team in the wild card around the AFC that would be exciting to me because you do have Phillip Rivers, you have those dynamic pass rushers. Like, that's an interesting team. That's a team that if it went to Pittsburgh or New England would not be favored and deservedly so, but would be interesting. Kansas City, I still... I mean, the talent is there with Kansas City. The problem with Kansas City is they've just completely gone into a free fall. I I don't think anything short of Patrick Mahomes is saving that season. Uh, And it's a shame because the Chiefs have talent. And the Chiefs could actually give one of those teams a run for their money if they played their best game. But right now, uh, the Chiefs can't even put together a coherent drive. So... The AFC is going to be rough. The NFC, wild card all the way through, is going to be great.
0: And that leads me to uh, something that we like to do at the start of the show, figuring out the story, the narratives in the NFL. Uh, What's the story, Matt Verderam? We'll start with a quarterback, not Patrick Mahomes, but another guy who people have been wanting to start, and we actually saw him a little bit. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in late against the Seattle Seahawks, gets a touchdown on two throws. So basically he's Joe Montana, uh, at least if you ask 49ers fans. What's the story with Jimmy Garoppolo? Should he start the rest of the year? And I think I know the answer. I guess the secondary question would be, why was that even a discussion as to why he shouldn't be starting?
2: I think he's got to start the rest of the year. And it's nothing against C.J. Beathard. Look, he's come into a decent job. Mid-round rookie out of Iowa. I don't think anybody expected much out of C.J. Beathard. He, he, you know, he won a game. He didn't play great. The Niners aren't great. The Niners don't make talent around him. So for me, yeah, look, you've got to find out what you have in Garoppolo. The Niners traded a second-round pick, which is really like a late first to New mm-hmm. England and if you are San Francisco you probably want to see as much as you can with Garoppolo before you have to give him big money for me I'd start in the rest of the year buying injury and then I would give him a franchise tag because the Niners have more cash than they know what to do with next year it's going to be over a hundred million dollars they can afford it they don't care pay him 21, 22 whatever the tag is get a full year out of him see what he's giving you and then if you feel like he's worth that big money, then give it to him. But you have you have all the, the power here. And so I think you start him, you move forward with him, and you hope he's your franchise. And I think if, you, know, you may not find out in four games, but you should find out in 20. Uh, and so I, I think the 49ers are in a good spot here with Jimmy Garoppolo.
0: Here's a scenario that I saw floating around Twitter, and it, it seems pretty unreasonable, but the NFL's a weird place. If you're Kyle Shanahan, do you keep Garoppolo, franchise him, And also go out and get Kirk Cousins, sign him to a big deal, a guy that you've worked with before, and then you decide between the two who you want. I feel like that's a bad idea. I've seen people kicking that around Twitter. I don't understand exactly why it would work, but I could see why people would feel that logic lines up where Garoppolo is a second string quarterback. He's been that his whole career in, in New England. Bring him in kind of out of a similar situation and pick between the two. I don't think it's a good idea, but if you're a Shanahan, do you ride or die with Garoppolo or do you consider Cousins in the offseason if you're not impressed with these few weeks of working with him?
2: I'd go with Garoppolo because, look, if you bring in Cousins, then, then it starts. And then you're going to have to sign Cousins to the biggest contract in NFL history. Yeah. Because he's going to get that. And so if you do that, then Garoppolo, you might as well have taken your second round pick and it in the shredder. Because he's not going to start. I don't care if Garoppolo is Barrett and Cousins. He's never going to start. He's never going to see the light of day because you're not sitting thirty million dollars a year on the bench. So for me, the Niners made their bed with Garoppolo. They're going to have to go forward with that. I don't. Th- you could argue maybe they'll draft a young quarterback, but they did that with Beathard. So I think for them now, it's about filling out some of the position play, you know, position players on this team: wide receivers, tight ends, defensive side of the ball. They get some help in the secondary. They need help there. So. I think they've, they've identified who they want their quarterback to be going forward. And the quarterback market this offseason is going to be fascinating. It really is. A lot of years, it's a bunch of bums. It's a bunch of older guys who really aren't going to make a difference. This year, you're going to have Kirk Cousins. You're going to have A.J. McCarron. You're going to have a very interesting crop of rookies coming in. Uh, you're going to have a lot. To, Alex Smith is going to be on the market. Say what you will about that situation. But he's better than most guys with the market. Uh, it's going to be very intriguing to see how it all shakes out.
0: Keeping it on the West Coast and actually switching levels of competition here, a guy who coached in the NFL is back in football, it's just at the college level, Chip Kelly, who, speaking of the 49ers, was the last guy in the job before Shanahan, and Shanahan could probably thank him for the job, uh, coached in Philadelphia. What's the story with Chip Kelly at UCLA? Is he going to stay there? Is this like a job where he's done with the NFL, he's staying in college, or we are we in like four or five years maybe three gonna hear people saying oh chip kelly back to the nfl i feel like we've seen enough of chip kelly but
2: these conversations and and i think that's where kelly belongs he's a great head coach in college he knows how to recruit he knows how to play that, that style of game i think he's gonna be great at ucla but i don't think he's ever coming back to the nfl
0: do you think he made the right call going to ucla over florida because that was kind of down to the final two and i know a lot of florida fans are excited to see him there and a little bit of a shock that he went to UCLA, but it makes sense with the West Coast, the Pac-12, everything like that. He's got roots there. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think for Kelly, Florida's a, a football school, first and foremost, um, even though they've had recent success in basketball. UCLA is absolutely a basketball school. It's John mm-hmm. Wood and you. Okay, so that being said, I think it's the right decision for a couple of reasons. One, he's familiar with the Pac-12, like you said. And number two, uh, the Pac-12 is not the SEC, okay he doesn't have to see Nick Saban every single year he doesn't have to deal with an emerging Georgia team okay which would be in his division in the SEC he doesn't have to deal with LSU which is always going to be a threat or Auburn look not to say the Pac-12 doesn't have some teams but you can you can deal with that Uh, I I think I think going to the Pac-12 he sets himself up for success Uh, easier said than done of course It's, it's you know it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild there after Josh Rosen leaves but I think Kelly made the right call for himself, although I think Florida is a very good school to go mm-hmm. to. I, I think. I mean, my God, if you can't recruit in that state, there's no hope for you.
0: Well, Dan Mullen's going to see what he can do there. Uh, switching to an NFL coach who might be out of a job soon, especially after what we saw on Thanksgiving in the prior weeks. Uh, what's the story with Jason Garrett's job security? Right now, Jerry Jones has a lot of problems in the NFL with Roger Goodell and all that. But a nagging problem, not only this year. I mean, this year seems to be the most legitimate case Cowboys fans have to to rail against Garrett. Uh, But this has been a long time coming. It seems that Garrett's always on the hot seat. What's the story with his job security? Do you think that they get rid of him at the end of the year? Or does Jerry Jones remain loyal, as he has been for the years past with Garrett?
2: My my guess is that they are not going to fire Jason Garrett. Jerry Jones likes him. Obviously, Garrett has ties going back you know, 25 years to the Cowboys when he was back quarterback to Troy Aikman. Um, Garrett has had worse seasons than this, and he survived them. And i got to be fair, I don't think this is a Jason Garrett problem. I think this <laughs> is a Jerry Jones problem. Jerry Jones has refused to bring in personnel men and has bit them in the rear end because when you look at this team, it is, it is a team that, frankly, I thought was living – on a wing and a prayer a lot of times last year, that defense was doing a lot of smoke and mirrors. And give Rodden Marinelli credit for that. But right now, without Sean Lee, who's always been injury-prone, and he's a great player, but he's always hurt, that defense stinks. They can't play. They get torched repeatedly. They have some guys actually in the front who I, I like, uh, but th- the problem is Demarcus Lawrence and, and David Irving just aren't enough. They can't cover. Um, offensively, this is where I do lay a little bit of the – on on Garrett because look, Jones has given him a very good offensive line. Mm-hmm. You you have to be able to execute your offense without Ezekiel. Like, look, I get he's a focal point. I get he's a great player, but he's a running back in 2017. Like, you need to be able to throw the ball with some effectiveness. You need to be able to run behind that offensive line. And that's where I pin it on Garrett. But I don't think he gets fired. I think he gets at least another year. They're coming off a 13-3 and season. I think they really like the core of that team. They're going to get some you know, pretty decent draft, draft picks here. I, I think he'll stay.
0: Well, that segues perfectly into the last uh, narrative that we have to break down here, which is what's the story with the incoming head coaching class in the NFL? It seems like years past, there's always been that one home run candidate. Like last year, it was... Everybody wanted Kyle Shanahan years before. You've had standout guys this year. It seems to be the Belichick guys, and that's it. Like maybe Dave Tobin in Kansas City could get a job. You've got Mike Smith in Tampa, but that defense isn't that great. And I don't think I think last year was the year he was probably going to jump ship and get a new job. There's just no standout candidate. And you look at teams like Denver, Tampa Bay, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Chicago. Just off the top of my head, are teams that could be looking for head coaches this off season. There's no slam dunk candidate to, you know, if you're Denver, who, for example, we've talked about in weeks past, Vance Joseph is very much on the hot seat. But if you're John Elway, who's already somebody who's established, he can't pick personnel very well, there's nobody out there that you're like, okay, I'm definitely going to fire Vance Joseph and hire candidate X. He had that last year in WIFT, paying the debts this year with that. But what's the story? Do you see anybody out there? In the NFL, a coordinator, somebody who is going to emerge as we march towards Black Monday, and these jobs continue to look more shaky for people.
2: I think Josh McDaniels is going to get a job this sure, year. I think he's going to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the time's come uh, for a second shot for him. Matt Patricia, defensive coordinator for the Pats, didn't look like he was going to be getting any kind of job. Looks like he might have been out of the job after the yeah. first month of the season. Now they're playing really good football, so he'll be a name that continues to get bandied around, uh, banded about. Uh, I, Matt Nagy, the Chiefs coordinator, there's been a lot of smoke about him, the offensive coordinator. Although, my God, if anyone has watched that offense over the past four weeks, uh, I think there's going to be a, a little bit of a cooling on Matt Nagy. Now, that being said, to be fair to him, as someone who watches the Chiefs every week, this is not a scheme problem.
1: Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.
2: i in Kansas City. This is a quarterback problem in Kansas City because, believe me, I watch the All-22 film. There are guys running wide open with their hands up And they don't get the ball delivered to them. And I think most general managers know that and are aware of that. And so I think Nagy remains in the mix. You mentioned Dave Tobe, great special teams coordinator. Mm -hmm. He'll always be in the mix. Although it's just hard for special teams guys to get a job. I know John Harbaugh did it in Baltimore. But uh, those guys tend to somehow lose out. But I I think Tobe's a candidate. Um, But you're right. There's not one real great candidate out there that you'd say, man, that guy. I look at Indianapolis as a spot that somebody big could go. Like an Mm. ex-head coach. You know, if there's ever a time... And and I I hate this rumor as much as anybody, but Gruden. Yeah. If there's ever a time for John Gruden to come out of retirement and go there, to me, this is it. Like, he always struggled in Tampa with the quarterback situation. You have Andrew Luck. Mm -hmm. The only problem with Indianapolis is that job is such a great job, except for one thing, Jim Irsay. Yeah. I don't know if if somebody wants to deal with Jim Mersey, But if they don't mind it or they think they can deal with it, Andrew Luck... It's a great place to go. It's it's to me of all the job openings that are available or that should be available, that is the best one because of the quarterback, provided he's healthy, which of course you, you just don't know. Although Jacoby Brissett, you know, he, he's played well. He's not Andrew Luck, but he's played well.
0: Yeah. So wrapping it up, I, I, a few thoughts on this. I think that. A lot of this conversation that we have about a Gruden or a Bill Cowher or all these guys that every single year, no matter how far away from the game they've drifted, you always hear their name mentioned. I think Sean McVay has been an awakening in the NFL where you have, and we're young guys, so I don't want this to be a young versus old conversation, but the idea that coaches that were great when we were growing up and watching the game, the game has passed them by. It's a different game than it was in the 90s, and the early 2000s. And a guy like, you know, Mike Shanahan can come back and try to coach in Washington, and it doesn't work because he's trying to use a scheme and use coaching that he used in the 90s that doesn't really work anymore. We see this in basketball. Everybody talks about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, and the common thread is, well, oh, this is a different game. It's a different era. And that applies to football, not to such a great degree, but I think you're talking about some of these older guys, these older coaches, coming back into the game. It's kind of passed them by. Gruden, I think, would be great in a front office position, kind of like uh, Tom Coughlin. He's been scouting the game for years with Monday Night Football. He still knows the players. I don't necessarily know if he can still coach. I like him in Indianapolis. It's not a bad option. But, yeah, it's, I feel like if you're going to be a team like Indianapolis, you can get somebody big. That's great. But if there is somebody out there that is a lesser name who you think is the right guy... I feel like you should go out and get him. And I'll just throw this out here, and we can end on this and go into the picks, or you can discuss how awful this would be, but also how perfect it might be. Um, a name that I feel like Cleveland could go after, kind of really tapping into this, we want to find a young guy, a young hot head coach who's the coordinator, Mike Vrabel. What if they hire him in Cleveland? I'm not saying it wouldn't work. That's a very Cleveland hire, though, a guy who's not a sexy pick. The guy who's a young and upcoming coordinator, it's kind of like, you know, we've seen them make these hires before. I think it might actually work out. But, you know, I feel like we're moving in that direction where Vrabel and these guys are going to start getting looks, which more power to him because Vrabel's a great coordinator. And, you know, he was the bright spot of that one year in hard knocks where everybody makes fun of O'Brien, so.
2: Yeah, and certainly so. Um, No, that's a good call, actually. I I like Vrabel. Uh, And I think, and we don't have to go too into this, but I think especially with Cleveland, look, the Browns are not going to get they're top choice. Mm -mm. They're not. Okay? Because you have unstable ownership. The team's been terrible for two decades. You don't have a quarterback. you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. I think a lot of football people are turned off that whole money ball idea in Cleveland, uh just like they were originally in baseball. Took time for people to accept that. So um I think the Browns, they're gonna have to mine the coaching ranks to find somebody Who's willing to take that job, maybe who doesn't have any other options as a head coach and says, you know what, I'm willing to take this opportunity and run with it. The problem is in Cleveland, they have just murdered coaches. Yeah. I mean, you're talking you know, Pat Shermer, Mike Patton, Hugh Jackson and his second go around. I think this is going to be his last go around. Like, guys that go and coach Cleveland, they don't come back from it. That's it. Rob Chasinsky, you go on and on and on and on <laughs> and on. Like, it's it. Like, it's one and done. You know? yeah. So, that being said, though I do like Raven, I do. Um, his team actually takes on the Ravens tonight. I know we're doing this on a Monday afternoon so the Monday night game, the Texans and the, and the Ravens uh, will be playing playoff implications in that, not for Houston so much, but for Baltimore, who sits at five and five. So week 13 let's get right into it. A game that could have been really good on Thursday night, but really now doesn't have a lot of sizzles, a couple of fives and six teams. Redskins at the Cowboys, Cowboys favored by just one and a half. Uh, I'll be short and sweet with this. I'm going to take the Redskins in the game. The Cowboys just look awful. I, I, I can't imagine the Cowboys putting together a competent offensive game plan right now. They just look out of sync. They look lost. They have no defensive rhythm with Sean Lee being out. Uh, the Redskins have their own injury issues. But I like the Redskins to win this game and get to 6-6. Six and six.
0: I like the Redskins as well. The Kirk Cousins auditions for the rest of the teams in the NFL looking for a quarterback continues. It looked great on Thanksgiving against the Giants. Uh, like you said, Dallas, they just don't have anything going on, and I think that this is a case where Jason Garrett's going to limp through the rest of the season. Everybody's going to want to call for his head. Cowboys fans are going to be incensed when Jerry Jones brings him back, and next season they go to the playoffs. And then there's this is the, that's the cycle of, of, of Jason Garrett and the Jerry Jones Cowboys. So, but the Redskins are going to win. That's long term for the Cowboys.
2: Yeah, I uh, I'm not enamored with the Redskins, but. Uh... I think they find a way to win this game. The the, the Cowboys just they they're just dead on arrival right now. Um moving to the Sunday slate. Speaking of dead on arrival, the Broncos are at the Dolphins. Uh that is they, they should just hold a funeral instead. Uh it's actually a pick 'em, which means if Vegas thinks that the Broncos are a 3-point favorite on a neutral field. You know, I I I, I don't no, I say that I I would have made this line Miami by three just because I think these teams are dead even. I'm taking the Dolphins. I I, I can't pick Denver right now. I'm to a point with a lot of teams in the NFL. I just cannot simply pick these teams. I normally, which I couldn't pick Miami, but Denver to me, their defense is starting to give up. I think they've had enough. Wolf got hurt on Sunday. We don't know how hurt he is. It should be an update here sometime on Monday. I have no. This is not like a vote of confidence in Miami. It's just a. The, the Broncos are three and eight, and frankly, I don't know if Vance Joseph is going to win another game. They, they look so bad. They were now twenty-one nothing to Oakland. Oakland, Oakland just finished firing after its coaching staff. I to me, well, give me give me the Dolphins in a game that I don't think anybody should watch.
0: Give me Miami too, and uh, low key storyline that I hope plays out. That this is the one fantastic game that jay cutler earns every penny of his 10 million dollar contract assuming he plays oh, is he, is he even gonna play? assuming I, he plays but he just comes running out of the tunnel he's a game time decision he comes running out and he just tears the broncos apart that's what i want to see and matt moore might do that too i mean geez so i'm, I'm taking miami in this one
2: i think the bigger question going forward here and we've talked a little bit about Denver for i find them to be intriguing with john elway and, and everything going on there um what is going on with the quarterback situation? Oof. I mean, you're talking that We know Osweiler's not the answer, okay? We know Simeon is a... I think he's an NFL backup. I do think he's that. I, he's clearly not a starting quarterback. Mm-mm. Then they bring in Paxton Lynch, okay? Which, look, they had to bring in Paxton Lynch. He's finally healthy off that shoulder injury. And uh, he he's a first-round pick from a year ago. He has not looked good at any point in time. But you have to give the guy a shot. And he comes in, starts the game against the Raiders. The Raiders have not had an interception all year. All year. And Paxton Lynch goes out and goes 9 of 14 for 41 yards and a pick. And the pick was in the end zone, by the way. I, I will go on record now as saying that that experiment needs to end. He is one of the worst busts in the last decade. I don't need to see any more of him. He's terrible. He left the game in the third quarter, hurt his ankle. He was crying on the bench. The human side of me feels bad for the guy. But the NFL analyst side of me looks at that and says, I know people are going to say this is wrong and it's not politically correct. But NFL players are looking at him while he's sitting there crying on the sideline. And they're like, this guy's our leader? Really? And then you find out his ankle's fine. He's day-to-day. I mean... That, that's rough. Guys blow their Achilles tendons out and they, they sit there like nothing happened. I And I know that may not be, again, it may not be PC to say that. Look, you got to have your emotions and whatever. But, like, the NFL is not a PC world. It's a macho world. And him sitting there crying on the bench after he went 9-14 with 41 yards and a pick, it, it's a rough look.
0: Yeah, and look, nobody's going to be dogging uh, Paxton Lynch for crying on the sideline because he's you know he you get the con- we all get the context of why he was doing it like he comes in he's finally starting he doesn't have a good game and then he leaves with an injury and truthfully that might be it for him as far as like his opportunities to start he might have to work his way as around for a uh, as a backup so but i agree with you it is you're you're looking at it's the context of it it's not that Paxton Lynch was crying on the sideline don't be one dimensional about this it's that he was crying on the sideline after a season in which this defense has gotten the crap kicked out of it it's tried to support an offense that doesn't exist and there like you said you got Vaughn miller over there you've got all these defensive guys sitting there being like really man you were in there for half a game like we've been doing this for a whole season and like you don't i I don't think that it's it's necessarily a knock on his leadership skills but I do think that if you are Paxton Lynch you get it together man like come on like look do it in the locker room, do it wherever, but, like, you can't, like, be that consumed by your emotions, especially with as volatile as this Broncos team has been all season long.
2: I just think that's a team that, they're you know, they're an emotionally charged team, they're a mm-hmm. tough team defensively, and, you know, I want to make it clear, I'm not saying that I think Paxton Lynch is a wimp or anything like that, yeah. it's not about that. Like, that, that's a caveman way of thinking. It's mm-hmm. not about that. It's about the teammates are going to look at him, and he's your quarterback. He's your leader. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if his leg's hanging off. You know, Okay, fine. You get that. You, you can't be crying on the bench. Like, it's just it, – it, it in this sport, that matters. You'd say whatever you want. And you'd talk about, oh, that's the wrong way of thinking. That's, you know, it's the way it is in the NFL. Okay? I can I, – I'm not gonna sit here and and pretend like it doesn't matter because maybe it's not PC in 2017. Look, it matters. Like if Von Miller looks over and Paxson looks crying, it matters.
0: Well, so you, it's the, you know, not to cut you off, but like, Go ahead. Go ahead. and also you know not to make a, a, I hate like war to sports analogies because they're really so stupid. Yeah, and, right. and, and Kevin Garnett, my, being a Timberwolves fan myself, ruined that for me early in my childhood. But you do, there is a leadership quality to it where, you know, you have to, when, you know, we've seen Band of Brothers and all that stuff. It's like that first episode with David Schwimmer. He's trying to lead these guys in a battle, and none of them believe in him because he's a, he's a putz. He doesn't know what he's doing, and they're like, this guy is bad news when the action's going down. Football's not war, but it's the same mentality that Paxton Lynch is the leader of that team. You're If you're the franchise, if you're the face of the franchise, you represent everybody on that team, and they have to believe in you. They have to know that you have their back, and they can have your back, and it's just it, it's indicative of how much of a mess the Broncos have been this season that... Their starting quarterback is crying on the bench, and the defense is out there fighting the other team with Aqib Talib ripping off crashing out of those two teams it. All year long. It's it. This is bad teams act this way. It's the same thing. Tampa Bay was fighting New Orleans the other week. It's this. It we, bad teams emotionally lose it. Not a knock on Paxton Lynch for crying. It's it's indicative of right. the team as a whole that they're just a mess. Well,
2: and look, I, I'm going to go just you know, a little bit off script here, but it, not too far off. I am a Chiefs fan. I'm I'm basically through the seven stages of grief at this point, so I feel like I can pretty level headedly talk about this. Look, the AFC West was supposed to be a great division. Started out as a great division. The AFC West is a freaking disaster right now. Okay, Chiefs are six and five. The Chiefs haven't played a football game that looks competent in a month and a half, and are still winning the division. And they probably still will win the division if they can ever figure out anything on the offensive side of the ball. That said, when I look at the AFC West going forward, it's really good. It's really interesting because the Raiders. You know they win the game. They go to five and six. We don't even talk about them. Uh, you know we'll get to them in a little bit here. But you know I don't know what's going on in Oakland. Jack Del Rio he's fired two coordinators at this point. There's rumors he's going to get rid of Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator who replaced Bill Musgrave last year. It's uh, it's questionable what's going on.
0: Yeah, it's it's not good. And by the way, Todd Downing is a guy who was on early lists as a candidate who could get a head coaching job. Yeah. Good luck with that now. Like. Man, it's a mess.
2: And, and I just, you know, what I was going to say too, as well, and I lost train of thought for a second, but Denver, forget that they're 3 and 8. Like, you just hired Vance Joseph. I, I think he's gone after this year. I, I don't know that they're going to be able to retain him. And then you look at the quarterback situation. We've talked about it. I don't know that the quarterback of the future is on this roster. In fact, I, I don't think he is. I think it'd be a pretty big stretch to say that he is. The Chargers have a lot of good players going forward. The question with them is who's, court, who's going to be the quarterback in a few years? What does their future look like? They've got to find that guy eventually. In Kansas City, their future comes down to Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes is good, then you're good to go. And you know, We'll segue right in with that. The Chiefs are at the Jets this week. Uh, the Chiefs are somehow favored in this game by three and a half points. I, I don't know if Vegas just doesn't get the feed. I, I don't know if they, just, they, they willfully ignore it, if they're just hoping people are stupid and bet on Kansas City. I can't take the Jets hard enough in this game. Like, if the Jets were a 10-point favorite, I might pick the Chiefs to cover. I, the Chiefs are the most in that football team, this side of Cleveland, in the NFL right now. They lost to the Giants, and they deserve to lose. They lost to the Bills. and They, they had one first down in the first half of that game. At <laughs> home, off a, loss to the, off a loss to the Giants. Now, to be fair... Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage
1: and subject to policy terms.
2: Because I don't want to just sit here and bash him, bash him, bash him. I think Kansas City's defense has figured out a lot of things. They played very well against the run against Dallas. They were very good against the Giants. The Giants did not score one point in regulation that wasn't off a turnover. The Chiefs' defense was on the field the whole game against Buffalo and only gave up one touchdown, gave up 16 points. The Bills rushed the ball 37 times against the Chiefs and rushed for 104 yards. LaShawn McCoy had 22 carries for 49 yards. Kansas City's defense has figured it out. They're starting to play bigger up front. And by the way, uh, Reggie Ragland has been tremendous Mm -hmm. in the middle for the Chiefs. So there's a lot to be happy about defensively. I think Kansas City's figured it out. Now you get Darrell Rivas coming in, see what he can bring to them with the Jets game. He should be active for it. But this offense, my God, at what point do you just say Patrick Mahomes has to play? I'm sorry. The idea that he can't help them out offensively is Asinine. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he comes in and he's not good. But my God, don't you at least want to find out? Ten points against the Bills. Nine points against the Giants. If you take out the Hill Mary against the Cowboys, ten points against them. They, I mean, at what point do we just say, okay, look, you know what? It, it, the time's come. Alex Smith can't play against zone. He's he flustered in the pocket. There was one play. He took a 16-yard sack in the third quarter. He just kept mm. running around. It was Look enough okay and the Jets while four and seven and not a good team give me them at home in this game the Chiefs should win they're more talented but until the Chiefs show me they can they can put it in the end zone by the way in their last 28 drives one touchdown until the Chiefs show me I don't think the Jets are going to score a lot of points I don't think the Chiefs are cracking 10 so give me the Jets
0: Well, I can't add much to that. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to take the Jets in this one because I think not to the degree in which it's happened in Denver, but when losing happens like it is in Kansas City, that takes a mental toll on a team, and it's incredibly hard to snap out of it, especially when, like you said, the defense is starting to figure it out. Bob Sutton has made adjustments to his credit. He was getting a lot of, you know, criticism for that early on in the season, and now we're looking at a situation where the offense is holding them back. And that's bad because Travis Kelsey is out there throwing his head back. And, you know, he's a guy that's not one to be quiet with his thoughts. So if things start going really off the rails, you have a locker room situation there. And I just want to say, I agree with you that Patrick Mahomes should start. My only concern would be how bad the offensive line has been. Granted, Mahomes is a lot more mobile. Than, than Alex Smith is the line's been bad to the point where it's like the the, the cheat the, the uh, Chargers ran for over 120 yards against the Bills and then the week before that the Saints ran for like a billion yards between Ingram and Kamara 300 yeah, yeah. and then this week what Tareem carries 18 yards exactly and that's I, offensive line it, problem and
2: to me though but you know watching the game like they pass block line. their problem is Alex Smith takes a 12 step drop mm. and they don't know where he is and it's it's maddening to watch. I, he looked. He looks like a rookie. He looks like he has no idea what's going on. There were so many plays in that game, including games, uh, game deciding plays toward the end, fourth and four, and then eventually the, the game sealing pick that he threw. He had guys wide open like this. Like the one thing I won't stand for is this idea that Andy Reid is the problem. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid is not the problem. Andy Reid is one of the better offensive minds the NFL's seen in the last thirty years. Okay. They scheme guys wide open all the time. If you if anybody listens to this wants me to prove it, I am glad email me. I will fire you a dozen screenshots from every game they've played this year where some guy is open by 20 yards down the field and Alex Smith either doesn't see him or doesn't throw the ball. The, the Chiefs have to bench him. I do not care at this point if they lose every game the rest of the year not benching him. That is the only thing I'll get on, on Andy Reid about. He has got to go. It is asinine. And I really think, look, if they benched him, Mahomes came in, you don't know what you're gonna get. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that it all of a sudden is gonna start them off, but we saw what happened with Houston. Like Tom Savage, I did it I went and ran the numbers. In Tom Savage's starts this year for Houston, their yards per game and their points per game. Respectively, would rank 30th and 32nd in the league. Mm. With Deshaun Watson, they were third in yards per game and they're first in points. It's the same freaking guys. It's the same coaches. Nobody came back from injury outside of Will Fuller, who came back halfway through Deshaun Watson's tear that he mm-hmm. went on. Same guys. That's the difference. And yes, right now, Alex Smith looks like Tom Savage. So yes, it is that big of a difference. Um, I'm going to uh, let's switch gears <laughs> here. Uh, actually, hell with it. Let's stick with Tom Savage. Uh, Houston at Tennessee, Tennessee favored by a touchdown. Look, I, I like Tennessee in the game, but only because they're playing Houston. Tennessee is one of the more disappointing teams for me this year. And you can see, well, that's you know, kind of lunacy. They're 7 4, they're weighing their division. Tennessee's looked awful. Tennessee has not had one game this year where you look at it and say, man, that's a really complete 60 minutes of football they've played. The closest they came maybe earlier in the year when they beat Seattle at home, but even then defensively they weren't good. Uh, they barely beat Indianapolis, and I think it's really time to start looking at Marcus Mariota and saying, "Hey, you, you plan on playing decent football at some point?" Because he has nine touchdowns and twelve picks on the year. Uh, he's been awful, and the Titans are winning in spite of him. Yesterday they go in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is atrocious defensively. He wasn't under any pressure all game. Wasn't sacked once. Throws for a buck eighty four with two picks. You got to do better than that. That said, I'm taking the Titans because they're at home, they're in a playoff race, and I just think that the Texans are horrific without Deshaun Watson.
0: Texans are very awful without Deshaun Watson, and Tennessee is in the playoff hunt. They Jacksonville loses on Sunday. We'll get to that. Uh, now they're in first place in the AFC South, and all of a sudden things are happening for them. I do agree though that. They are disappointing in that they should be better than seven and four. They were supposed to be this team with Tampa Bay that takes the leap to the next level and really establishes themselves as not just a contender this year, but a real threat to take over the AFC South in a legitimate way, not in an accidental way. Like that division is usually won this year, being no exception to that rule. I'm just I'm, I'm very disappointed in Tennessee. I think Mariota gets better. I don't think he gets better with the current regime in place okay i think with malarkey that's done they got to go out and get somebody maybe it is a mcdaniels maybe he does come in and fix mariota i don't know but whatever's working in tennessee right now is barely working and a lot of it has to be by default just because of who they've played so yeah they beat seattle but as we've seen this year seattle's not the same team that they were and it was also early season seattle which is a lot easier to beat then they've got it together, playoff chase, late season Seattle. So, uh, But I'm taking Tennessee in this one. I do agree with you.
2: Yeah, staying in the AFC South, Indianapolis travels to play Jacksonville this weekend. Jacksonville favored by nine points. Look, Indianapolis was terrible, three and eight on the year. Uh, I actually, like I said a little earlier, kind of in passing, I really like Jacoby Brissett. I think he can mm-hmm. be a player in the league. He went 17 to 29 for a buck 96, no touchdowns, no picks against Tennessee. And you say, well, that, that line is nothing special. He got sacked eight times in that game. Eight times. Times against Tennessee. Tennessee's not a big time defensive front. Indianapolis can't block, which is why I'm taking Jacksonville. Because if Tennessee sacked him eight times in Indy, Saxonville. <laughs> Jacksonville might sack him twenty <laughs> times. Now that being said, I'm taking the, the cover because Jacksonville can't beat anybody by more than a couple of points. Typically, mm-hmm. uh, they, they just they, they have no ability to score, and we all know why. Uh, you know, Bortles. Look, let's let's say this quick. Yesterday, was a combination of two things. Jacksonville losing in Arizona on that game-winning field goal. Jacksonville lost that game for two reasons. Blake Bortles is atrocious. One, threw a horrible pick late in the fourth quarter to Tyron Matthew. But that game was destined for overtime until Jacksonville got the ball back. I I want to say around the 15-yard line. Run the ball, time's ticking. They could have just ran the clock out if they run two more plays on the ground. And Marone calls a pass. And Bortles, to his credit, put it right in the hands of Marquise Lee. And Lee drops it. Clock stops. They run on third down. Arizona calls its final timeout, gets the ball back, and win the game. So Jacksonville's got to learn from that. Marone's got to do a better job of managing the clock. That said, give me Jacksonville in this game. I think they bounce back. But I think it's a tight game because I just don't think Jacksonville has the ability to blow anybody out.
0: Jacksonville is my team now that Tampa Bay is dead in the water. And I guess maybe maybe this says more about me than I like. Mediocre Florida football teams that are destined to break my heart in awful ways. And Blake Bortles is exactly that he's terrible he's they're never going to win with him because he is the anchor three this is his fourth year in the nfl and if you look at his overall numbers people will be like oh yeah but come on he had more touchdowns and interceptions in the last two years he's over three thousand yards passing you're being unfair no you look at the decisions that he makes in the games that game against los angeles the chargers he did everything in his power to lose that game, whether it's throwing an errant interception to absolutely nobody other than a plethora of Chargers defenders, or if it was almost falling down in bounds without a timeout before the field goal unit could get out onto the field to try and go to overtime. He, the decisions that he makes in year four are just absolutely asinine. And he's shown no signs of getting better. You can't play 12 weeks in this season, have 12 weeks of practice, knowing your defense is this good and not get any better. And I, he, to his credit, he did throw the on-target to Marquise Lee at the end of the game, but I think that was Doug Marone putting the pressure on Bortles to be like, if you want to be the guy, be the guy. And he's not the guy.
2: Uh, he, he was more effective running. He had 62 62- rushing yards for two touchdowns in the games, 19-33 with a buck, 60, and a pick. Um, and by the way, he did not complete one pass over 10 yards in that game. I mean, he's not going to win like that. And that, that goes back to that point we had at the beginning about the AFC. Look, I don't care who wins this division, Tennessee, Jacksonville, whatever. These, these teams are going to be cannon fodder in the AFC divisionals if they get that far. Uh, you know, New England and Pittsburgh are going to roast them. Uh, I, I would be, again, I think, I think Jacksonville is a good team with no quarterback. Um, we'll see how it plays out. But Jacksonville right now is, is up against it with Bortles. You, you just have to play perfect around him to win. Um, another team that frankly has to play perfect around the quarterback to win Baltimore. We don't know what they're going to do on Monday night, of course, but they are home next week, a three point favorite over the Lions. The Lions coming off that Thanksgiving Day loss, they so get a few extra days to rest. Baltimore coming off the short week. I like Detroit in this game. Uh, I think the Lions are a better team. I think the Lions... Now, the only thing that's scary to do with the Lions is the Lions You just never know what you're getting. They can play a really good game and play as well as any team in football. They can also go out and just stink to join out. Um, but I like them in this game. I think they're the better team. I think they have a much better quarterback. Uh, and, and I... For my money, Baltimore's all right. They're five and 5-5. Five. They play in a horrible conference. Um, they've beaten nobody of any substance this year. Okay, they lost to the Bears already at home. They got trounced by the Vikings. The Ravens, five wins this year. And I'm going to try to do this off the top of my head. They beat the Raiders when they had EJ Manuel. They beat the Bengals. They beat the Browns. They beat the uh, Packers with, with Hunley. And then I'm, I'm blanking on the... I think they, they beat Miami. Yeah, the- I think so, yeah. I so, think they shut out Miami. Yes, yeah, they had Thursday night. So those are their five points. Right. Give me Detroit, despite the fact they're on the road and they're very Jekyll and Hyde
0: uh unpopular opinion time and this is just because i have nothing else to say about these teams because they none of neither of them inspire me i think detroit's going to win the game uh at what point is it okay to ask about matthew stafford and if he's the problem in detroit i and this is coming from somebody who's defended him and picked the lions specifically because he's so good at bringing them back in the fourth quarter but all of the criticism for the Lions, and I've heard this after the Thursday or the Thanksgiving game, is oh the offense, he just doesn't have the weapons. He doesn't have, things aren't just coming together for Stafford in the running game and this and that. You had Reggie Bush a couple of years ago, who was late career Reggie Bush, but he was pretty alright when he was at Detroit. He had one of the best wide receivers in the history of football for how many years? And he Barry Sanders you because you guys couldn't win. It's like at what point and I'm not saying that Matthew Stafford's a bad quarterback if he's better than just about most of the quarterbacks in football, So, if, like Jacksonville, for example, if it was a decision between Stafford and Bortles, he wouldn't have even have to finish asking the question, Stafford is in Jacksonville. But at some point, I think that this kind of grace period that he seems to be in from when he went from a guy who it looked like he might be injury-prone his whole career, when he was having shoulder problems, this and that, into the transition where he is a quarterback who can be the highest-paid guy in the league for now, at some point, you start, have to start wondering how much of this is Matthew Stafford's problem because it seems that it's Jim Caldwell's problem, it's the defense, it's the receivers, it's the running back, and I just feel like Stafford needs to be held accountable as much as everybody else, and I think maybe Detroit will start turning things around once they stop coddling Stafford. They've given him a billion dollars. At some point, you just have to be like, all right, now soften you up just don't be so sensitive take some criticism because he is as much of a problem in that offense as anybody else is
2: i, I will disagree a little bit I, I think it's the coaching of detroit and i felt like it's the coaching of detroit's entire career jim caldwell is not a good coach he's an average coach i don't want to say he's bad i don't think he's bad I think he's a very average coach um some people love jim bob cooter as offensive coordinator i yeah no thank still. you <laughs> yeah. I yeah, uh, there's there's Jim Bob Cooter stories to be had. Just Google the name. Um, but listen, I, I don't think he's the problem. In fact, quite honestly, I actually think he's the only reason they're respectable. They they can never run the football. They, if, if I'm not mistaken, he's been this is his ninth year. They've had eight different rushing leaders per year. It's it's asinine. They've had one thousand yard rushers. In-
1: Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra.
2: This year, I'd have to look it up. But, I I mean, they they have nobody who's been running the ball in any great clip form this season. Mm -mm. Uh, In fact, yeah, looking it up right now, Amir Abdullah, 505 yards on 3.4 yards a carry. Like, it's just, I mean, I I think his weapons are fine. Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, although Eric Ebron, can he catch the ball? Guy drops every other ball thrown to him. Um, I think Stafford's terrific. I think he's a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. I just think the problem is the coaching's never been that good. Uh, the running backs stink. Uh, the defense is, is hit and miss every year. I, I just, I think if you took Stafford and put him on Jacksonville, that team oh, yeah. a Super Bowl team. Oh yeah. Like, it, but whatever. You can't do that. It's not Madden. Um, one another one o'clock game. This game I find really, really interesting. Minnesota at Atlanta. Atlanta has been hot and cold all year long. They're running hot right now. Seven and four. Took care of business this past week against your box. Almost let them back into the game. Uh, but we're able to hold on. Uh, Minnesota coming off that Thanksgiving Day win at Detroit. I like Atlanta in this game, and here's why. At some point, Minnesota is just going to have to take an L. They're not going to run the table. Okay, I'm a big believer, and sometimes you just that you have that week. I felt that way about the Saints going into L.A. That happened. The Vikings are a good team, and I, and I, I like them a lot. I think they they're a, a legitimate contender. But I think the Falcons. This game means more to them. The Vikings have shown up that division. They're not going to lose the North. The Falcons are fighting for their lives. It's a home game. They've got some rhythm. Julio Jones had a big week against Tampa. So I like Atlanta. What I think is going to be uh, one of the better games of the weekend.
0: I like Atlanta too. Uh, I said that the, the exact same thing you said about Minnesota last week against Detroit, and they came out and won. Uh, I do agree that at some point it has to. The winning has to stop. But at this point, it's, that's, been a, that's been a conversation I've had with myself and my new and Vikings fan friends that I have back home in Minnesota. It's doubting Case Keenum, waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it just doesn't drop. And we saw that again on Thursday and Thanksgiving with Detroit. We've seen it against the Rams, a defense that I thought they were going to beat. And it goes all the way back to the Bucks game, which the Bucs weren't as good as we ended up thinking they were going to be. But it's just this consistent theme throughout the year that Case Keenum is better than people are giving him credit for. And I'm a believer, you know, I'm not going to say that he's the franchise, but I think that he is a guy who can lead them to the playoffs and maybe into a good playoff run. But one thing that I have about the Vikings is that they are a team and Falcons are the same way where your flaws get blown up under the microscope of the playoffs. And Thursday was concerning to me in that they had special teams problems and they had trouble running the ball early on in the game. Those are two things, special teams and the run game, things that you're not thinking about when you're like, oh, our defense is great, Everson Griffin this, Case Keenum that, Adam Thielen, these guys. You're not thinking about, oh, there was a couple of blocked kicks there. There was a couple of blocked extra points which add up in the playoffs. Um, Mike Zimmer is a good adjustment coach. We saw that at halftime, came out, started running the ball better. I just think that they need to shore up these problems. And with Atlanta, they're a 55-minute team. Go look at the schedule, and I'd have to crunch the numbers on this. I didn't I didn't do that, but you think about the games that they've played. How many times have they let teams back into it late in the game? Whether it's Chicago, first week of the season, who could have won with Mike Glennon at the goal line three different shots. The Jets they let them back into the game. Tampa they let them back into the game. I mean, you you think about things that will go wrong in the playoffs. You can't be playing New Orleans or Philadelphia or the Rams and let them back into the game late because they want to win. It's the playoffs, and that's not going to work. So I think we're going to see which of those flaws are bigger throughout the rest of the season, but I do think that Atlanta, they're, they're grooving right now. I said it. If they beat Seattle, I would start believing in them more. If they beat Seattle. They're on a roll, and I think they continue that this week against the Vikings.
2: New England at Buffalo this weekend. Buffalo coming off a win that, frankly, I think was more of a donation by Kansas City than anything else, but they won the game. <laughs> Uh, New England, of course, rolling right now, Uh, 9-2, winners of seven straight. New England favored by 7.5 on the road. Uh, I'll I'll make this short because I know we're running a little long. Uh, Give me New England. I I, I can't imagine. Like the Bills, nothing against them. They've overachieved this year. But – they're they're not good enough to beat New England and, and frankly, uh, the team that they just beat is not good enough to beat the Giants. So I uh, give me New England in a in a route in Buffalo.
0: I've got New England, but I think it might be a little bit closer than, than than we think it's gonna be. I think McDermott tries to use this as a game to rally guys around, but I think that the Patriots are figuring it out. They're in they're shoring things up for a postseason run at this point and you don't want to play them at this part of the season. I think that they're gonna not gonna be a route, but I think they're gonna win.
2: San Francisco at Chicago. Uh, the Bears are favored by four. I don't want to put anybody through this more than we have to. I will take the Bears.
0: I'm taking the Bears, too. Jimmy Garoppolo for the win.
2: Or apparently the loss. Yeah. Uh, last of the 1 o'clock games, Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Old Ugh. NFC Central rivals. The game is a pick'em. Uh I don't know what to say about this game. I, the Packers kind of confounded me last night. I expected the Packers to get... Blown out in Pittsburgh. Didn't happen. Uh, the Buccaneers, I'm assuming it's still the Jameis Winston uh, show on hold with Ryan Fitzpatrick starting. I'm going to take the Packers just because they're home and they're, they're fighting for any kind of playoff hopes. Um, but I'll be honest, I'm not confident in it. I, I really, you know, Tampa Bay's played honestly better on the, with Fitzpatrick. So I'll take the, the Packers at home, but it, to me, the pick'em is the right line. I think it's a toss up.
0: This is a game that epitomizes how you can't look at teams week one and assume that they're going to be as good as you think they'll be in week 13. We thought that this was going to be a great game. Jameis Winston versus Aaron Rodgers. Maybe there's a playoff spot on the line and Lambeau, and we're getting Brett Hundley and Ryan Fitzpatrick in a game that's probably going to see like 23 points scored combined. It's going to be gross. It's going to be ugly. Hopefully, the Buccaneers don't forget that wide receivers exist as part of an offense and decide to start covering them because it was mind-blowing to watch Ryan Smith literally crawl around on the field on Sunday trying to catch up with Julio Jones. And I'm not taking anything away from Julio Jones because he's a great player and probably the best receiver in football. But... It's really easy to score the kind of touchdowns that he scores and put up the kind of point, the stats that he puts up when the guy covering you is on the ground more than he is standing. So good job, Mike Dirk Cutter, for not stepping aside and being like, maybe we should double team this guy. This Julio Jones guy is pretty good. It's a shame we didn't have any film on him. I wish he was in our division and we played him twice a year and we'd be able to game plan for him. Uh, that being said, I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win this game. Fitzmagic, ride or die. Uh, and both of these teams are terrible. I do think that the Packers, though, one saving grace for them is Aaron Rodgers throwing passes last night in, in Pittsburgh. I don't know. I, and I don't, I'm not saying that's why they played as well as they played against Pittsburgh. I do think maybe they're figuring something out. But we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, and it's holding true until they're out of it. If the Packers can sneak in as a sixth seed and oh, they're, Aaron Rodgers comes game. back, they are terrifying. And they're still in a position to do that. And Tampa Bay's not this— awesome opponent that is going to stand in their way they can get to six and six and all of a sudden we're having a different conversation about them so i'm taking tampa i don't like it but i have to at this
2: point nobody likes it uh <laughs> four o'clock games cleveland at the chargers of course cleveland looking for its first win the chargers uh, five and six and i'm gonna be brief but i'm gonna get a little into the chargers here look everybody's talking about the- first of all i'm taking the chargers away okay so let's just get that out of the way uh, they're 13-point favorite. I think they'll win. I don't know if they'll cover because they're weird like that, but I think they'll win. Now, there's a lot of talk about, well, listen, you know, the, the Chargers are going to win this division. They're going to win the AFC West. They're, they're so dangerous. Blah, blah, blah. I saw the NFL run a segment um, on its social media about are the Chargers the best team in the AFC other than New England? <laughs> but, I, I mean, like, I don't understand everybody's massive fascination with that team. look, I give the Chargers credit. They were 0-4. They bounced back. They've won 5-7. of seven. Okay? That's all fine and good. The Chargers, though, they have, and we talked about this at the top, they beat nobody. Like, I, I don't, and, and again, Cleveland factors in as a nobody. Now, the good news for the, the Chargers, the rest of their schedule is a bunch of nobodies. The only game that they play against a team with a winning record is Kansas City, and that's in Arrowhead on a Saturday night, Week 15. That is probably the division. Um, and as much as I kill the Chiefs all the time, I still think the Chiefs are going to find some way to break out of it and win the division. And by the way, if there's ever a team that would go into Arrowhead and find a way to lose, it's it's the Chargers. The Chargers have made a history of it. And the reason, look, I'm not trying to kill the Chargers. I'm just trying to be more realistic. I would love to see the Chargers because as a wild card. I think they'd be fun. They'd be entertaining. I, I, I'm a big Phillip Rivers fan, okay, that all being said, as easy as, as their schedule is, if Kansas City can get any kind of traction, the, their last two games are Miami and Denver. I mean, if the Chiefs can even show up for those games, they're probably going to find a way. And you look at the rest of the schedule, if, if they were to win just those two games and beat the Chargers, that's nine wins, and the Chargers would have seven losses, and the Chiefs win the tiebreaker. So, I like the Chargers as a team that could push for a wild card spot. And look, if the Chiefs just go into a full-on free fall and go 6-10, then yeah, sure. Um, but I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on the Chargers, who have beaten up bad team after bad team. Uh, give them credit for winning those games. But I don't, I don't think they're a legitimate threat to go to a Super Bowl. I do think they're a threat, though, to find a way to make the playoffs
0: yeah there to me there are threats to uh, throw a monkey wrench into the season of pittsburgh or new england if they happen to get into the playoffs and there, we talked about this yesterday the, the los angeles is the kind of team if they're playing well that could go into pittsburgh and win a 10-6 game a 12-9 game uh i think that they're going to win this week and obviously against uh, cleveland you said it very well like can't really add anything to the Chargers, and I don't have the energy to melt down about the Browns again. So save that for next week.
2: I melted down on my Monday column about the Browns. There's 700 words on why they are <laughs> atrocious. Uh, they have drafted 62 players uh, without drafting a pro bowler. So keep that streak alive. Uh, although I will say this, Miles Garrett does look like a superstar. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, hey, you know, blind squirrel finds it on every once in a while. Um, maybe the best game of the week. If not, certainly right up there. Carolina at New Orleans. Carolina is a four-point dog at the Superdome. These two teams played in Week 3. New Orleans was 0-2 at the time, and they waxed Carolina. So it should be a really interesting game. I like the Saints bounce back off this game with the Rams. I think Marshawn Lattimore has got to be healthy. But frankly, I just trust Drew Brees a hell of a lot more than I trust Cam Newton. Cam Newton, 11-28 of 28 against the Jets. Like I feel like I crush Cam Newton all the time. Cam Newton is just not that good. I'm sorry. I know they're 8-3. And and, uh, fine. Cam Newton, you, you can't win like this all the time. I know they went to the Super Bowl. he was MVP and all that. And when they played a good defense, you got hammered. I, to me, I think is a good team. But I think the Saints have the potential to be a great team. So give me the Saints. I think they win. I think they come.
0: I'm picking the Saints as well. Uh, two reasons. The first reason being that the Panthers, if they want to be a legitimate playoff team, that defense allowed 27 points to the Jets, 307 yards to Josh McCown. Not Drew Brees, Josh McCown. And we're talking about Drew Brees inside of the Superdome, where they're historically a very good team. And also, to to piggyback off of your Cam Newton criticisms, I agree with you. I don't think he's that good. I think he's an all-right starting quarterback, I'd take him over a handful of other guys in the league. You know, I I hate to keep dogging on Jacksonville, but if it's it's Blake Bortles or Cam Newton, I'm taking Cam Newton hands down. But to me, Cam Newton feels like Philip Rivers' light in that... It's impossible to figure out what Carolina is because you never know which version of Cam Newton you're going to get. Are you going to get the version of Cam Newton that went up to New England and is smiling and doing the Superman pose when he scores 33 points on offense or how many ever points they scored? Or are you going to get the guy that showed up to the Super Bowl that you know makes a business decision when he's supposed to be recovering a fumble late in the game and is like, no, no, thanks, and then storms off in the press conference? You never know which version of Cam Newton you're going to get the same way that you never really know what version of Philip Rivers you're going to get. And that, you know, as good as he's been, Philip Rivers, has been a problem with those Chargers teams because you never know which version of him is going to show up. I don't think that the right version of Cam Newton shows up against the, the Saints. I think that going back to the week two thing, they adjusted one eight games in a row. They lost last week to, to the Rams. They're going to adjust. They've shown that they've been able to do that, identify their problems, and they're going to go out and fix things and continue to march towards an NFC South title that nobody saw coming to new Orleans.
2: Yep. Uh, I agree. I think you said it perfectly. Speaking of divisions, I don't know. saw coming the Rams on the road against the Cardinals, the Rams favored by six and a half. I love the Rams in this game. They, they beat up the Cardinals in England earlier this year, shut them out actually, and and finished Carson Palmer, maybe for his career. Uh, I think the Rams win this game going away. The Rams are a really good team. I think some people kind of overlook them. Uh, they could play. They're, they're a legitimate, honest to God Super Bowl contender. Eight and three. I think they get to nine and three. The Cardinals, I actually got to be fair. Blaine Gabbert's actually played pretty well. Um, you know, he's really done a nice job for them. But Nate Jackson got rid of the wrong quarterback. But I, uh, I like the Rams. I think they win this game.
0: I like the Rams too. And I really like, uh, you know, Wade Phillips and the defense that he's put out there so to me the rams are the prototype for what young teams that are rebuilding like cleveland like indianapolis what they should look at as far as building a team to succeed in the future of the nfl you don't want to go out and be the guy that says let's go hire gruden let's go hire cow or let's go hire somebody who's been in the game for all these years you want to go out find your mcveigh go out and find your golf batting down the hatches with a defense which is something Seattle. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV
1: that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED
0: 8K, unreasonably good. I mean, this is an evolution of the Seattle model of find a good quarterback, get a really good defense, and win. And I think that Goff is better, that offense is better than the Seattle offense that went to the Super Bowl, both Super Bowls. And I think that, yeah, I agree with you. This is the time where it's okay to finally acknowledge the Rams as a legitimate Super Bowl contender, especially with how shaky the NFC is overall. I love them in this game, and, you know, prayers up for, for the Cardinals as they limp into the offseason.
2: Yeah. Uh, speaking of prayers up, the, the Giants are at the Raiders. <laughs> Raiders fair by seven and a half. I think they win. I think the Raiders do not cover because I don't think the Raiders can stop anyone. They almost blew it to Trevor Simeon on Sunday. Uh, I'll take the Raiders to get the 6-6. Six and, six. and if they win and the Chiefs lose, they are tied for first place. Factor. fact, that, think about that.
0: I'm going to take the uh, Giants to win this game because if there's one thing that I've seen throughout this season, one unseen thing, it's that for some reason, Eli Manning and Ben McAdoo own the AFC West. True. I think that's going to go again?
2: True. They, they are who broke me. <laughs> <laughs> that was it watching that game I mean I, I did I physically went through the seven stages of grief watching that game but the end of the game I just accepted it and uh, yeah I, I, it's, a, it's a couple miles from our office to my condo I walked home and it was it was cold out and I don't even think I had a jacket um, okay the Sunday night game this is going to be a very good game Philadelphia at Seattle Philadelphia is favored by four points on the road at Seattle I am going to take Seattle in this game, and you know I, I don't. I don't want it to come off as I'm bashing Philly. I'm not. I just think this is a game where Seattle is desperate. They have to win. Russell Wilson is a nightmare for an aggressive front because he just gets out of the pocket. He moves around, and while I think Philly's the better team, this is a tough spot to go into that building in prime time when that team needs to win. And I I know they're without Chancellor, who's now officially out for the year. I know they're without Sherman. That is a prideful team. That is a very good team. It's a dangerous team. And I think Philadelphia, look, there's one knock against them. And we're going to find out how real that is here. They've played one good team this year. They played the Chiefs when the Chiefs were looking like a Super Bowl contender, and the Chiefs beat them in Arrowhead. And and before a garbage time TD with six seconds left, they beat them by fourteen. They have not beaten a team with a winning record since, and now they play the Seahawks. We're about to find out, are the Eagles have beaten up on really bad teams, or are they legit? I think they're legit, but I think they're going to lose this game to a desperate team that knows how to win in these spots.
0: They haven't beaten a team that's had a winning record because they haven't played a team that has a winning record, I don't think. Which is you know exactly to your point, that's what I was going to say. They don't have any quality wins. And what benefits them is that that she, the Chiefs were good at the time. The Chiefs yeah. definitely aren't now, but it's not like they were a bad team. Oh, they, they were actually good in Week Two uh, when they played them. I just I, the inexperience of the of the Eagles is something that makes me very nervous heading into the playoffs. I think that they're a good team. I think that I'm a believer in Carson Wentz. I think he's a legit he's legitimate in the MVP discussion. This is the game that we're going to find out just how serious the Eagles are as a contender. Because this is that type of game where I thought this would happen in the playoffs, and it might still. They go up against a really good team. Everybody's all hot about the Eagles. Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, the running game, the defense. And they go in and they lose. Happened to Dallas last year. Granted, Aaron Rodgers was the magic potion there. I think it's going to happen again here, and I'm taking Seattle to win.
2: I just, this game's going to feel like a playoff game. And I and I want to see a Philly responds. Maybe Philadelphia responds great. Maybe they, they punch they punch you out in the mouth. I just I I have a lot of hesitancy toward teams that have never been there. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles have never been there with this group. And and you know to be fair, the NFC is wide open in that respect because all these teams. I mean, you could say the Saints, but really, who's been there? Breeze and, and Peyton. It's nobody, been a while. else has? So, you know, I I'm curious. To see how it plays out, you might have the two wild card teams be the teams that have been there the most, in Carolina and Atlanta. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how it plays out. But we both like Seattle, and then the Monday night game: Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's favored by five and a half in this game. Cincinnati five and six, coming off that win over Cleveland, fighting for its lives. Uh, Pittsburgh is nine and two. I am very tempted to take the Bengals in this game because the, the Steelers always just find some way to, to play down to their opponent, as they did the last last night against Green Bay. I just don't like Cincinnati. I just do not like. And by the way, and this is a total aside and wrap up here. They drafted John Ross ninth overall. Okay, John Ross. You're not familiar? Blazing fast receiver out of the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. Had some knee injuries in college. Had a torn ACL at one point. Had a little bit of a shoulder injury. Um, ran a four two four, I believe it was. Maybe even been a four two two at the combine. It was a record. Phenomenal. I think it was actually four two two. And they took him, and a lot of people, including myself, felt like that's kind of an odd pick. You know, They had some issues uh, in other areas they could have addressed. And they take John Ross, to pair him with A.J. Green, and he has been a healthy scratch the last couple of weeks. And he does not have won catch this year. And Marvin Lewis has been publicly throwing him under the bus on a weekly basis. I, I don't know what's going on in Cincinnati. and they- I know they've won the last couple of games. Big deal. They- they- they've beaten bad teams. I am going to take the Steelers to win. But I will tell you, if there is ever a game that the Steelers should be worried about somebody getting hurt, it's this game. Because the Bengals and, and them have a history of nasty, nasty games. Bell blew his knee out a couple of years ago against them. Brown got knocked out on that cheap shot by Perfect in the playoffs a couple of years back. But I do think Pittsburgh wins and gets to 10-2.
0: Pittsburgh wins, and to me, these are just tune-up games before they get to, because they've got the Ravens next week, I think. This, these yep. are just tune-up games before they get to that. Probably number one seed deciding game against the Patriots. And hopefully both the Patriots and the Steelers win both of their games, because I'd love to see them go toe-to-toe at what they'd be 10-2 and two at that point. Seeing who, I think, yeah. 11-2. 11-2, yeah, 11. that's right. So to see who would get the number one seed, that's the best thing that can happen. And look, we've said our piece about the, the Bengals before. They're they're cooked. They've been beating bad teams. As bad as Pittsburgh plays when they should play good, Sunday night being an example of that, the game against Indianapolis being an example of that, um, I think that they're going to win. That's just, that's just, there's no other way to put it.
2: So that is our... Review slash preview here of week 13. It should be interesting. There's a lot to look forward to. Even in the AFC where the races are are really, I I feel, almost secondary. Because we feel like we know it's going to be in the AFC title game. I'll leave it on this. It certainly looks like New England and Pittsburgh. But you just never know. I'm only 29. But I've seen enough years where you think some team is an absolute given to go to the Super Bowl. go to a conference title game. And they don't get there. So... That being said, I'm looking forward to the weekend ahead. A lot of really good games. A lot of games that have playoff implications. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode of Stacking the Box. If you did, please subscribe on iTunes. If you haven't already, leave a comment, uh, give it a rating. uh, Unless you hate us and don't. Um, But uh, really appreciate you listening. And you can catch all of our stuff, both Josh and myself, at Fansided.com. Our writing, our our obviously the podcast. Uh, We have copious amounts of NFL coverage uh, along with all of the sports. So for Josh, I am Matt. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy week 13 of the NFL season.
1: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.